Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. In January 2019, we launched the What Fuels You podcast, and since that time, I have had the honor of featuring and highlighting leaders and their incredible stories. Though I'm eager to continue sharing these stories with you, I want to make space for different and relevant content for this unique and challenging time. While we all navigate the COVID-19 pandemic together, on this podcast and the upcoming ones, I'll be having more focused conversations with leaders to help answer questions, get key insights, and share stories of inspiration around how they and their teams are adapting during this new reality. I hope you enjoy these episodes of the What Fuels You podcast. Today on the What Fuels You podcast, I'm talking with Sari Davidson, founder and CEO of Bougainhead. Sari launched Bougainhead, a baby accessories company, at her kitchen table in 2005 after not being able to find what she needed to keep her young son's sippy cup from constantly hitting the floor. Sari juggled working full-time in HR and recruiting in Microsoft and Bougainhead for three years before making it her full-time endeavor. She and her team continue to innovate and bring new products to market including their recent edition of masks made of fabric from their best-selling bandana teether bibs. Sari's been named one of Fortune Magazine's most powerful women entrepreneurs and recently one of the innovators of the year by Puget Sound Business Journal. Sari is a mom of two boys and an incredible member of this community and a friend. Welcome, Sari. Yay. Good to Thank see you. you. Yes. Holy smokes, it's been a long time. And you and I have known each other a long time, my a friend. A very long yeah. time. I know, it's crazy. And we were talking right before this. Um, as you know, like with the podcast, I'm normally doing these talks and kind of going there. And really, I still do want to go there, but it is this very raw uh, day. Um, yes. Monday, what are we? Very June, heavy. Monday, June, June 1st. 1st. Um, the combination of just having this this talk during COVID and quarantine and being on video when we've been talking about doing this for months. I know. Um, before before all this before hit, I was supposed COVID. to come in the studio. Know, so, the yeah. studio. so now that we're doing this and talking through COVID and then over the weekend with the riots breaking out, it's just been a really emotional morning, I know, for both of us um, yeah. leading teams and uh, being moms and it's it's crazy crazy times um, yeah. and we will get to that but before we get to that I do want to know um, just about your entrepreneurial journey I know a little bit about it but yes. um, yeah like how did you you got this idea because most people would just say oh sorry I can't find that but right you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur no uh, so I actually grew up in a family of entrepreneurs pretty much everyone in my um, immediate household has been an entrepreneur at one point or another. And my mom started a business, a book bookstore, actually, this is before Amazon, uh, when I was 14 and worked seven days a week. And uh, my dad worked as well and was successful in his own right. But my mom, um, my mom's company is really what financially put me through college. Um, and uh, my dad works for himself now. And I actually resisted it for a really long time. Um, I, uh, why, I did, why did you resist it? Did you have, because I've shared on podcasts or different talks that I've done why I also took a long time. 
I had my own insecurities around it, but why mm-hmm. did you resist it? I think that for me in my personal life, I'm extremely conservative when it comes to money and I'm risk averse uh, in a lot of places in my personal life. And when you're an entrepreneur, you, you have to take those big risks and in every facet. And I think that that really scared me and also watching my parents go through it and the sort of the ups and downs with it. And um, I resisted sales also um, being in sales. And uh, it wasn't until actually I was a uh, recruiter uh, on 100% Commission, which is the company we both worked at, that I really realized that I liked that feeling and that in some ways that sort of adrenaline and having control over my own destiny. And that was really when I started to go, okay, I think that I could absolutely work for myself. And my very first company was actually a small recruiting company. Yeah. And um, so when I had the idea for a product in 2005, I think that also in some ways being an entrepreneur is in your blood. And I always like to refer to it like a sickness. It's like the sickness that you can't not do. So when I was working for other people, I always had these ideas and things that I wanted to go do on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe part of that is that sort of control aspect of wanting to sort of, you know, make my own destiny and my own success. Um, but when I had a product at two, in 2005, it honestly didn't even occur to me to just not do anything about it. For me, yeah. it was like, of course, I'm going to try and make something. But walk, walk me through that because obviously I've started my own company too, but starting a services business and starting yes. a product business are two different things, especially if you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Like I the didn't. sourcing, the manufacturing, yes, the design. Yep. Like, what did you do in those early days and how did you know what you were doing? So I didn't. Ignorance is bliss. Um, and uh, even in the early days, in 2005, I was living in California. I was re- working for another recruiting company at the time. And in those days, it really was just this little small hobby thing. I had this website and what have you. It wasn't until I, I was recruited by Microsoft to move to here, to Seattle. And it wasn't until I was at Microsoft working in the entertainment and devices group, specifically working with hardware, where I was seeing things made from nothing to you know these massive launches where i felt like it was a year after joining them that i really got that itch and that spark to do something again mm-hmm. so in some ways i was exposed to every day these unbelievable mentors that were doing this on this massive scale and i kind of call it like my mba in yeah. uh, bringing a product to market and uh i disclosed what i was doing And basically what would happen is I would be having these one-on-one meetings with these sort of really high level folks at uh, Microsoft, specifically in the hardware group. And they would sort of turn the conversation and be asking me about what I was doing and guiding me and advising me. And so uh, although I had zero background in anything related to product or marketing or bringing a product to market, Mm thank goodness for the internet, because that's where I got a lot of my initial, the contacts and the information. And then I did have these people, these mentors really sort of encouraging me and guiding me through the process. And in the end, they were actually the ones that said, Sari, your your business, what you're doing by yourself in your off time after 5 p.m. and on weekends is a million dollar company already. You're already doing a million dollars in revenue. Why are you still here? 
Yeah, they were the it's ones time. to give you. It's time. So tell me about that very first yes. product. The very it's first time. product was a sippy cup that had. Um, it was a sippy grip. So essentially, and I'm in my home office because of COVID, so I, I don't have my products around me. Uh, but essentially, it was a very simple item. It was a leash for a sippy cup or a toy. Because you had your son throwing his sippy Constantly cup. Constantly like throwing my, the sippy cup. He's in the stroller and we're out for a, about, exercise yeah. or what have you. Or it sort of became this cup throwing game. Like, okay, how many times can I throw the cup and yeah. watch mom pick it up? And so I literally went to Target, bought an $80 sewing machine, went to the fabric store, got like backpack strap fabric and started sewing and passing it out to my mom group friends. It was, it's a very simple item by no means do I feel it was this incredible innovation but it it yeah, but there was a need in the market there was a need saw a it resonated with people and you solved a problem exactly and, and that is really the premise to do yeah correct so then what other products have you come out with since since that time I would say that the product that really launched my company to what it is today and is also a, a large part of our sales still is our passive grip. It's a pacifier clip, right? For, for pacifiers. It's not, again, it's not an innovation, but we were the very first to innovate that to create a loop on the end so it could thread through the holes of the pacifier because some of the most popular pacifiers don't have these sort of rings on it that you mm -hmm. can attach something onto. And uh, Soothe pacifiers are were given in hospitals. And that, um, when we launched that in Babies RS, that is when, I mean, the company just took off. Yeah. And so you'll see a lot of our products are within that same family. They are universal pacifier holders in some way, you know, with plush items, our Passy Pals, or we have a Passy Grip bib um, that has a loop on the end so that they can wear their bib and use their pacifier. So we really, you know, we really built upon that um, yeah. and expanding into other areas, but it's really been the premise of what I've built my company on. And how did you get into um, some of these larger retailers? Oh, you're a good story, actually. I, I mean, I am, I've always been relentless um, when I when I want something that has sometimes not served me well in life. Um, <laughs> it holds me back from accepting things, you know, accepting maybe things aren't going to happen or what have you, because I always feel like I can find a way. Um, I, I simply found the um, assistant to the buyer on LinkedIn. And um, from our old recruiting days of making friends with the receptionist or the gatekeeper, I learned that that is how you get to the right people. And so that's yeah. what I did. And she really was a champion for us and basically hand delivered our products to the buyer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I got into Walmart. And with Babies R Us, I initially, um, years ago, I was in uh, Target for this parent invented products program. They discovered me at my first trade show. They put you on the shelf as parent invented products, brand new newbie items. And um, I basically took those sales and found the buyer at Babies R Us, who I'm still friends with today, even though they're still not in business, and said, hey, look at my sales in Target. Don't you want that too? Um, I was on maternity leave with my youngest son from Microsoft when I got the news that we were picked up by Babies R Us. So wow. a lot of a lot of those early years was me being the salesperson and the CEO. Um, but it really, uh, 
it, it, the, my background in recruiting has really served me well because I've really hired people that are smarter than me to go and do what I know I can't. And once I hired my director of sales, she really took my company to a whole other level. And I realized, oh God, I really had no idea what I was doing. I was just sort of, you know, contacting people and giving information or what have you. But um, once then I got to the point where I could hire people that really knew what they were doing, that's when things really started to move. Yeah. And what are your goals now? And how has um, COVID-19, I guess your, your business is a little bit sheltered in a, I mean, if people mm. are still having babies or has it impacted it negatively? So the good news is I do think there are going to be a lot of babies born in, yeah, in nine months. Um, yeah. But we are not sheltered in the fact that um, we were not uh, heavy in e-commerce. And mm. our, our, a majority of our sales are people walking into stores and seeing our item and having it be an impulse buy to item. Mm -hmm. um, so where, if is it, where is it on the shelf? Is it right in the passy section or is it at like the checkout? So some of some, the checkout are, you know, promotions that we I get to do. I can see that just being yes. like a, oh my gosh, yes. Like yes. Oh, my pacifier just dropped to the floor. So um, we are, our largest retailers are Walmart and Target, um, uh, followed by Bye Bye Baby and Amazon. Those are our, our biggest retailers, but we are in uh, retail, other retails across the country and globally. But what you have to consider during COVID, especially during a time that's so unprecedented, you don't have any history to go off of, of like, oh, when we had a recession Here's the in 2008, yeah. like this is what happened so we can forecast for it. So if people are quarantined, they're not going out to the store, to Target or Walmart. Uh, um, and so, you know, obviously the sales are going to be down. So then obvious, and a lot of those large retailers that were remaining open in the beginning, were only purchasing essential items, right? Mm, and wow. so, um, you know, I've done probably five, I did like three forecasts within the first 10 days just trying to figure out what my worst case scenario would be mm -hmm. if I needed to furlough people. I mean, in the beginning, it was really touch and go. We weren't getting orders from our retailers. Things mm -hmm. have started to pick back up. But what I actually did was we had been wanting to really implement uh, e-commerce strategy. We really knew we needed to build the company in that way. And what it did is it actually forced me. I doubled down. I actually took the money that I had and I said, okay, it's a risk that I'm spending money right now that maybe others would consider to be um, a safety net. Yeah, a safety net or something that would be like extras, you know, in the marketing and the PR and so, so forth. And we immediately doubled down on our e-commerce strategy within our PR and our marketing and influencer campaigns and mm -hmm. SEO um, um, optimization and all of those things that we knew we needed to do. And it's really paid off for us because- Oh yeah, I can see the Instagram just being your perfect target. I mean, yeah. absolutely done and done. Everybody's doing this e-commerce shopping and- Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's super, super smart. But it has, it has significantly impact our business in the sense that, you know, when you have a vision of, we were going to have, you know, at least a million dollar growth this year. Um, we had a million dollar growth last year. And- yeah, I've been at this over 12 years. And so we were really in our sweet spot this year. I mean, we were at really the best the company's ever been. And within a matter of days, you're making forecasts that are millions of dollars less than that. And it's personally, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but 
I'm actually pretty proud of myself and my team because we kind of accepted it really quickly mm -hmm. and we just went into mobilize mode. Yeah. Um, and the, the forecast is different. It is very different than what we thought it would be, but I'm extremely grateful and proud that we um, are actually doing pretty well. And I know we're going to come through it and we're going to grow back up to where we were, but we've actually gained new customers and, and new areas of sales we wouldn't have had before. So And new channels, all new of it. Channels, yeah. big, That's definitely great. new channels. Yeah. That's awesome. And so with, which of your kind of personal attributes have you tapped into the most right now as a leader? Because it is tough and... Um, you know, those first Very few, tough. I'm a great crisis leader. I'm doing great. And then you kind of week after week, how do you keep your team motivated? And yes, you've got a family and this incredible culture, but when you're not touching, feeling, yeah. seeing each other. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's actually been very difficult for us. I think that the first month um, we were feeling like we were pretty set up for success for working from home because we are had the technology already built in my creative directors in Arizona. And so we communicate with her via video all the time. We do morning huddles every morning at 10 a.m. Um, but I've definitely seen within the last month communication breakdowns. And it's, I think it's wearing on everyone because we are such a collaborative office. We're, I have seven employees, six of which are in an office in Issaquah. Um, we all touch each other and are what we're not siloed in any sense. And so just having a morning huddle for a half an hour at 10 a.m. is great, but it doesn't solve all that collaboration we're used to. Sure. And um and also the personal strain. I mean, we have people whose um significant others are not working, who have been laid off or furloughed or or are afraid that their jobs are going away. We actually had furloughed, but very quickly um, were able to bring them back. And I think that, you know, what what I have tried to relay to my team over and over again is, yeah, we we were working and this is a priority, but our family is a priority. Our mental health is a priority. I mean, every day that there the sun comes out, I say on my morning huddle, it is imperative you get outside today. Do not be sitting at your desk all day. Take the kids for a bike ride. Do go for a walk, what have you. We're all homeschooling. It's mm -hmm. incredibly difficult to homeschool. I mean, my I don't have my kids this week, but normally Charlie, my youngest, will be coming in all the time during video calls. So I think having empathy for the fact that although it's my business and so it's one of the most important things in my life, next to my family, um, it's not the most important thing right now. It just isn't. Mm -hmm. And um, giving people the freedom, what I've said to them is, we have to find our new normal within this working environment and know that we all may not be working the same hours anymore because that doesn't work for our personal life and our lifestyle because um, we don't know when we're gonna be back in the office. And so just giving grace mm -hmm. to all of that and. My company, because it's so small, we are really like a family. We know everything about each other, our, our personal lives, our children. Um, we really, I mean, we really kind of wear our heart on our sleeve. And so in some ways that's been really good because we're not trying to put on a face and be like, everything's great. 
yeah. what's going on in our business today? It's, yeah. oh my God, did you see what happened on the news last night? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure it makes people feel very safe. And, and it's no surprise to me that you've built that type of culture because it, it starts with you and you're probably you. giving them that, um, that platform to feel yeah. like they can be themselves wholly and that there's no judgment. Um, but balancing that with, hey, at the end of the day, we've got results, we've got- Yes. You know. Yeah, it's true. You have to do that. And you know, I'm lucky in the fact that everyone that works for me is truly invested in the company. But, um, but they also know that, that, um, their jobs depend on us doing well too. And so I think they're fully committed to that. We're all making it work the best we can. So. Yeah. I'm sure that you're doing great. And so when did your team, um, decide to pivot and how, where do you manufacture the goods? So this is, this is actually a good story. Um, <laughs> this shows you how I can be influenced by my team. So I actually came up with the idea, um, three weeks prior to us even doing anything about it, I, I started sort of like putting out um, information to my team about masks. So we do teether bibs and we have uh, over probably 10 different patterns and styles that we design in-house. So it's our fabric. And when you do something like that, you naturally have leftover fabric because you have to, or you have to have it printed at a certain amount. We had just paid for all of that leftover fabric that's sitting in the factory in China that we had, we were trying to figure out what to do with that fabric. And, um, and so I had gone to my team and suggested masks and they, and this was early on and they were like, well, nobody's going to be wearing masks. So this is a horrible idea. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm the only one who thinks this is a great idea, but you know, cause we're very collaborative. And then I was like, listen, guys, I really believe in this. I think we're going to do this. And everyone really got on board. And thankfully, our factory in China already had a blueprint of how to do this. And so we very quickly mobilized and got samples and figured out which patterns we were going to do. And the, the great news about the fabrics that we're using is that, A, it's actually the best material you can use for masks in terms of it being breathable. B it had already been safety tested uh, for, for use with babies. Um, and so it's in, they're incredibly soft and the ear loops are incredibly soft. And C, we test all of our products, period, the end, under US standards. So we actually just completed testing for the new um, woven mask, non-medical mask standards in the US. And I feel really good about that. And that's, that's important for me because I, I just know just being in this world that a majority of what you're seeing online of what people are buying, like ships today or what have you, could be made in someone's garage. You don't know how that fabric's been treated or what's going on with that. Like I know in my heart that what people are putting up against their nose and their mouth and their face that they're breathing has been tested for every chemical under the sun to know that, that it's safe. And um, we have an incredibly good partnership with our manufacturing facility, and we just we got it we got it to marketing in, in, in probably the fastest I've ever been able to do it. That's fantastic. Um, and where yeah. are you selling them? So right now we're just selling them on our website, bougainhead.com. Um, it, it does say pre-order right now, but it, that's only because the goods are in transit. Um, we've started shipping out last week and we're going to be mm -hmm. doing the remainder of the pre-order shipments this week. 
um, but that will switch over to live pretty soon. That's so, so exciting. How much are they? So uh, they are two for $19.99 for adults okay. and a two-pack youth is $17.99, which we oh, thought I need to get was the youth. very reasonable. I have seen youth yet. So yes. my daughter has, we've bought some for the house yes. and she's like, ah, I can't keep it on. So that's yes. actually really helpful to know. Yes. Um, okay. So I will order some of those. Yay. Yes. Can head. That's awesome. And so, um, so you mentioned that your um, team is normally in Issaquah, right? Correct. Yes. So they're obviously working from home. Yes. What about the goods? Are you worried about, do you have a storefront? Like, are you worried with all the stuff that happened over the weekend? Yes. So my phone is, my phone is buzzing like crazy oh. right now because uh -oh. I'm in touch with the Issaquah chamber to see if they've heard any rumblings. And basically when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go to my storefront and at least put construction paper up. I mean, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Because of, the, because of the riots that happened this weekend yeah. and protesting in Issaquah. Uh, there have been some peaceful protests and we're getting word that they're, they that might escalate today. And at the, at the end of the day, there isn't that much I can do other than, you know, hope that, hope that people want to support their community in other ways and have more peaceful protests. Um, and I've put it out to my Facebook friends and may call your husband to help potentially board up my um, storefront, which is terrifying and sad. Um, but uh, that's the best I can do right now. My, all of my goods, thankfully, like all of my inventory is in a very large warehouse um, in, uh, in the Kent area. Um, but uh, my storefront is a small boutique, but it also houses all of our office, our desks, our computer, you know, all of that. And um, mm -hmm. I worked really hard to make that office feel like home and it will be, it would be devastating for it to get vandalized for sure. Well, that sends some good else. juju and hope that that does not happen. Thank you. Um, sending you all sorts of good happiness. And how are you personally dealing, I guess, with your own mental health and yeah. your own sanity during this time? Because obviously you're leading your children and you're leading yes. your team. And like they say, put your own mask on first. Yeah. How are you quarantining? So, um, so one of the things that's worked well for me in quarantining, I think the beginning was really hard also being single and, you know, not having my kids sort of that first week where I didn't have my kids. And I was just like alone in my house and everybody was really quarantined and people weren't even going out to the grocery store or what have you, that was pretty rough. Um, and um, I also am sort of a hard on my sleeve sort of person. I don't hide things well. I, um, I talk about things when they upset me. And uh, I, you know, I, I really had to learn to sort of rein that in a bit, especially when you're leading other people, because you need to come from a place of strength. Um, it's gotten a lot better. I exercise for me is, is, has always been a really important outlet. And so I have really fallen into a, a routine where it's honestly, it's just, that is a part of every day. And I've come into a place where I just have more structure of I'm doing certain things every day around the same times. And the same thing with my kids. Um, the homeschooling has been incredibly difficult. Because I also, I don't know how to do their math, you know, like that's, Are you kidding? that's like I so above, that that's like so above my pay, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, but uh, I've had to let go a lot when it comes to 
their grades and schooling or what have you. My oldest is actually, is actually doing pretty well online, but um, I've come to a place of, uh, of acceptance of this is where we are. The, the switch isn't going to flip and all of a sudden our kids are going to be going to camps and I'm going to be back in the office full time. And um, I think that getting to that point and creating real structure in my day has been really good for my mental health. And I also have this unbelievable community around me, not just of people like you that I know that are going through the same thing, but literally the neighborhood I live in is incredibly tight knit. I love your neighborhood. Thank you. Um, And this, um, you know, we've been in this house less than a year, but it, it is, it is truly like really home for us. And so the people in our community, we've really all been very quarantined together. And so having that and having connection with them just right out my front door has been massively helpful. So Mm -hmm. is there anything that you will take with you from this period of time that you hope will stay? Like for me, um, the slowing down yeah, and the kind of, I mean, I'm still a little bit, I think we're just these type A people are like, am I quarantining well enough? Like I'm not doing my sourdough and like I haven't done, you know, whatever. I'm kind of kidding. But I am like, so not cooking I'm, all I'm the things that I thought I would be cooking. But I'm, um, kidding, but I'm just saying there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to yeah. make the most of this time and um, connect with old college friends, whatever it is. Well, I'm very zoomed out. I'll tell you that in terms of like the happy hours and the what have you. I'm, I'm pretty zoomed out on that. I think the thing I will take from this time is, um, for me, uh, the appreciation of being okay being by yourself and, and sitting on my back deck when the sun comes out and not being connected to a device and listening to my pond and just, just being. Um, I'm not really used to just being. I'm doing all the time. I'm constantly so doing. I've been saying that as my, like when people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm realizing I like to do. And just being is an adjustment and it's uncomfortable. And the it was uncomfortable of being uncomfortable with COVID, uncomfortable with the racism conversation, yes. uncomfortable with how to lead right now. There's a whole lot of discomfort and that creates anxiety and yes. creates a whole other set of things. So this is a real conversation around mental health and just kind of really taking care of yourself and And your kids um, and your kids and kids that maybe don't, you know, we don't actually really know how this is affecting them. And I've got two boys and boys naturally are not as vocal about how they're feeling, especially a 16 year old boy. Um, But it's actually created opportunities um, where we've gotten a lot of practice driving in. And when you're in the car and you're driving, they actually talk to you Um, and family nights. Family nights, lots of Uno um, championships happening in my household, whereas normally my teenager would be definitely out, out being doing something social. But I think for me personally, the thing where I've actually grown the most is, I mean, by nature, by nature, I am type A, I am control freak sort of person. And when I don't have the control, I tend to get anxious and spin and things like that. And I've actually been able to come to places of acceptance and 
removing fear a lot faster than I thought I would go. I would normally be the person that would just be so terrified of just COVID in general, that that would stop me from being able to do other things or what have you. And, um, just the acceptance of not knowing what's going to happen and being like, I'm, I need to get through today. Yeah. Which is a little bit more in that mindset of like your yoga side, which is like yes. trusting the universe and connecting with that. I'm a big yoga person. I perfected, I by the way, hot yoga by turning my fireplace on and doing yoga next oh. to my fireplace. Oh, good move. Look at you innovating. <laughs> That's funny. David's like, I miss hot yoga. I'm like, well, then just do yoga. He's like, no, no, I miss hot yoga. I'm like, no, I'll tell All about the fireplace. Okay. Well, I'll be leaving during that. So (laughs) you guys have fun with that. You guys can FaceTime. Um, Well, I'm so glad to see you. I really miss you. And I want to give you a a real hug. I might just have to when I see you, but I would love it. I would love it. I know. I I am realizing like the hugging part I'm missing. Like I'm a hugger. I am a very and, um, affectionate person. I'm one of those people that just like touches people on the arm when they talk. Yeah. And, you know, having, again, two boys that aren't full on cuddle bugs. Um, that was a really tough part for me too. But um, I yeah, will say my, my neighborhood friends and I, we, we do hug. Cuddling. We, we hug. <laughs> on that note, we'll stay safe. I'm sending you, you all too. sorts of love and hugs. And thank you, you. And sorry for the weird technical snafus. No but- worries. People are more patient these days, I guess. (laughs) Sending love, honey. You too. Okay. Okay, Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.